Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So Joseph is doing here, it's masterful because he's making sure that Pharaoh is brought with him as a teacher. He's making sure he's on board. He's making sure he understands. You understand these are two sets of seven years here because God wants to show you what he's going to do. And this is so good of Joseph to be so, so clearly instructing Pharaoh. Let's not lose fact also of the sight of how good this was for God to show Pharaoh what he's about to do. Because when we see God wanting to show Pharaoh what he's about to do, it shows us God does not want anyone to be in the dark about what God's going to do. So he, he, he clearly explains it. Like God doesn't want anybody being in the dark about what's going to happen to them exactly when they die. Because he said in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. That's so very clear. It's a very clear statement. There's no purgatory. There's no soul sleep. There's no annihilation after death. It's simply a progression of moving on to judgment. That's a very clear statement. And the Bible is very clear about what will happen in that judgment, when it says in Revelation 2015, Revelation 2015, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's very clear. Not in the book, cast. Revelation 21, 27, shall no wise enter into anything that defileth or works abomination or makes a lie, for they are, for the ones who are entering in are in the Lamb's book of life. Very clear statement. Lamb's Book of Life, written in the Lamb's Book of Life, heaven. Not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, hell, lake of fire. Very clear. Like the clarity in 1 John 5, 12. 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Very clear, very clear. So now Joseph now, he moves on to the interpretation of the dream. And he, said, he explains in, in verse 29, in verse 29, behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it shall be very grievous. So again, very simple explanation of what's going to happen. Essentially, there's going to be five years of a great plenty, and then there's going to be five years, seven years. Seven years of a great plenty, and then there's going to be seven years of a severe famine. And we can, now we see it so clearly, right? I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so obvious. I mean, Clint, you could have done that, right? <laughs> and we see how Joseph is very clear. He's a teacher of truth. Okay. And we've seen how God's message is very simple. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And it shows how 
Not only was Joseph's message clear, it was simple. It was simple. Even a child could understand this. And Joseph here is providing for us an example of how to teach the gospel, how to bring the gospel to the lost. He knew, Joseph knew, that God had given him an interpretation, which is a very simple message. So he uses clarity, he uses simplicity, he uses a lot of repetition. He even says in verse 28, I'm repeating, I know I'm repeating. That's how we should present the gospel. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.12, 2 Corinthians 3.12, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Great plainness of speech. We have such a great hope that comes from such a simple message that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins to make us acceptable to God. Nothing complicated. And so we use a great plainness of speech like Joseph did. And after we presented the gospel so clearly and we presented it in its most simple form to the lost, if the lost don't understand, it's not our fault. It's not our fault that they didn't understand that it was because it wasn't because it wasn't understandable. The reason they don't understand, the lost don't understand, is because of 2 Corinthians 4.3. 2 Corinthians 4.3 says, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So what's driving us to make the gospel very simple and very clear is our belief. The more we believe, the more we're driven into this because as Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 4.13, 2 Corinthians 4.13, we having the same spirit of faith, according it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Now, this doesn't come naturally, bringing the gospel. It doesn't come naturally. And so we have to ask, to, we have to pray for an ability to do this. And we have to ask others to pray for us as well. And Paul taught us that in Colossians 4.3. In Colossians 4.3, he said, with all praying for us that God would open the door of utterance. He would open this door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make manifest as I ought to speak. Okay, now, Joseph goes and he makes a big point in verse 32 when he says, for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. That's actually redundant, doubled unto Pharaoh twice, but he, he's driving this point. It is because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. All right, now, Joseph has told Pharaoh that the dream was doubled or spoken twice. And the reason that is because he says it's established by God. So by Joseph telling Pharaoh that there's the great significance here to the repetition when God says something twice. It's not, God's not being superfluous. God's not being redundant. He's saying that this is really important, so I'm saying it twice. Now, God uses this method of repetition. He does. He uses this. He, it says in Hebrews 6.17, Hebrews 6.17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, 
we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into the veil. So God wants us to really see the reality of the hope that we have that's been given to us. And so he wants us to rely on this hope. So he says twice, he says, and this is the blessing of Abraham, by the way, what he's talking about. In blessing, I will bless thee. And so he says it, in blessing, I'll bless thee. And then he goes on, he makes a promise, and he swears by himself. And those are the things. Now, Job explained also how God speaks twice. He says in Job 33, 14, Job 33, 14. Now, here's what Job said. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. Okay, from that verse I just read you, what is the problem? What is the problem with man? The man, 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 he doesn't perceive. Okay, what does man not perceive? For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. What is it that man does not perceive? They don't understand. It's God who's saying it to him. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. They don't understand that God is speaking to them. And that's so true of people today. That a close whatever, a close call comes in life, something, they don't perceive God is speaking to them. I mean, this means that we as Christians, we need to be very sensitive when God speaks twice. I mean, how does that happen when God speaks twice? Well, you're you're in the chapel you may hear something in Sunday school class. You may hear a lot of things in Sunday school class. <laughs> and then you sing a hymn. You hear the same thing. And it wasn't chosen by me. And then you hear the morning message. And I didn't give it. And you hear the same thing. Or you're in the breaking of bread. And someone will get up and give a word. And it's the same thing. And now you say, a person could say, that was a coincidence. Hmm. Or that was amusing. That's, that's amusing. Can you imagine if after Pharaoh had those two dreams that he woke up in the morning and says, now that was a coincidence for me. Boy, two very similar dreams. I wonder what I had to eat for dinner last night. Or in the morning if he woke up and says, that was really entertaining. I just can't wait to go to sleep tonight and see how am I going to be amused. You know, um, last night before I woke up, you know, I was, I was dreaming and I dreamt I was skiing on one ski, which I've never done before. And I was holding the other ski and I was skiing really fast and the skier is right there, when my alarm clock went off, and I thought, wow, that alarm clock could be heard all over the resort. <laughs> a really alarm. And I woke up. Now, that was entertaining, but I wrote it off. <laughs> I'm not looking to God. Now, if I have another dream like that, that's a different story. Now, to make sure that Pharaoh just didn't think this was an entertaining dream, God doubled the dream so he knew it was real. He knew it was from God. And when we get the same message and maybe not just in church. It could come from reading our Bible or from someone saying something. I mean, that's the time to take to heart what Joseph has said to Pharaoh in verse 32, that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It's because the thing is established by God. And the word established, it's an interesting word. It's the Hebrew word kun. And it's oftentimes translated as prepared. And a great illustration of this word is the ant. In Proverbs 30, 25, Proverbs 30, 25, where it says, the ants are a people not strong, yet prepare their meat in the summer. 
I mean, picture these. I mean, you ever seen ants work? It's unbelievable. I mean, they, they carry things that are heavier than themselves, you know. So, you know, so if you got down to the ant, you know, down to the level, say, hey, ant, what are you doing, you know? And the ant would say, don't bother me. I'm preparing my food, you know. <laughs> it's really hard work here, you know. I don't see you working. No, I mean, the ant was just, they're, they're very, very industrious, and they're very purpose-driven. They have a purpose-driven life, the ants do. There's no question about it. And they're preparing their food in the summer so then in the winter they'll have something to eat. That's the word coon. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare coon, their meat in the summer. All right. So by using the same Hebrew word coon here, God is describing what, what he's done. I've done this. I've prepared this. And Joseph is telling, to, to, telling Pharaoh, look, God has done this. He has done this. This is going to happen. There is going to come these seven years of plenty and these seven years of famine. It's all been coon. It's all been prepared by God. And, and, and now God wants Pharaoh, you do something now. You prepare during this time of plenty so that you can live during the years of famine. And God does the same thing to us. When we hear the same thing on Sunday or whatever time, that's a time for us to get our pen and pencil out and write it down and to think about it. I'm going to need this because God has doubled it to me like the dream. Maybe like Pharaoh, maybe it's a warning that, that something's going to come this week and you need this. So God has spoken and maybe it may be that he knows we're going to encounter somebody else who's going to need it and we're going to need it to give to them. So he's spoken it to us twice in a service on a Sunday, for example. But God's message to Pharaoh was that there's going to be a time of plenty and he needs to take action. Don't be passive, Pharaoh. Don't be passive during that time because the time of famine is coming. You can't see it, but I'm telling you, it's coming. And during that time of famine, you're going to need to rely on what you did during the time of plenty. And the lost right now, they're living in the time of spiritual plenty. Spiritual plenty as far as the gospel is concerned. The gospel is there, but they have lives of comfort, beautiful surroundings, San Diego, America's finest city. But it's tragic when the lost come to the conclusion that, oh, the plenty is going to last forever. It's never going to stop. I mean, life is like the seven years of plenty that Joseph was telling Pharaoh about that's going to be followed by the seven years of famine. But the seven years of spiritual plenty, the gospel, I mean, you could turn on the radio. You could have 24 hours gospel preaching. You could turn on the television. You could have 24 hours of gospel preaching. Churches have their doors open. Gospel music is everywhere. Johnny Cash is singing gospel music. Elvis Presley is singing gospel music. The Gaithers have a TV station that constant gospel music. There's southern gospel music. There's entertaining gospel concerts. There's delicious gospel potlucks. <laughs> There's gospel amusement parks. There's gospel literature that comes in the mail. There's gospel teaching in the Bible. Christians are constantly witnessing and telling in interesting ways their gospel testimonies. I mean, this is a time of seven years of plenty for hearing the gospel. But God's warning to Pharaoh was, don't just enjoy the good during the seven years of plenty. Prepare for the seven years of famine. And it would have been tragic if Pharaoh just did nothing during the seven years of plenty except enjoy it, especially since he was warned that famine was coming. And it's tragic for the lost to do nothing today during this time of gospel abundance. 
It's tragic when the lost don't respond to the gospel by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, making him the ruler of their lives. It's tragic when the lost enjoy all the gospel music and the concerts and enjoy all the food and the gospel potlucks and so forth. It's tragic when they enjoy all the gospel preaching, when they enjoy coming to church to hear the interesting stories and the sermons and enjoy all the music and all the warm, friendly people. It's tragic when the lost just sit back and enjoy all the gospel plenty without responding to the gospel invitation, without becoming a child of God, without dying to self, without believing into the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes the gospel, it just goes right over their head. They they don't want to lose all the gospel plenty. And they realize that there is an entrance fee that's due, which is to repeat some sinner's prayer to be saved. So sometimes the lost do that. They'll repeat a prayer. And then they'll tell others, yeah, I've done that. Don't, so you don't have to hassle me anymore. But deep down in their hearts, they know God is not their father. They know the Lord Jesus is not their king. They know the Holy Spirit is not their helper. They know the Bible's not their book. They know the prayer is not their lifeline. They know that the church is not really their people. They know that heaven is not a reality. And all because they've never seen themselves as dirty, rotten sinners. They've never cried out to Jesus to save them from their sins to become a child of God. And they don't know the Lord Jesus as their best friend. And the tragedy is the Lord Jesus doesn't know them as a friend. They're really strangers to each other. But they're just enjoying all the plenty during the seven years of plenty. And they're content on the comfortable church pews. I call them the religious lost, the religious lost. And that's a tragedy when we see this symbolized by Joseph telling Pharaoh that there's going to be seven years of plenty, it's coming, and that the worst thing Pharaoh could have done was to sit back and enjoy all the plenty. When Joseph told him that you need to work during those seven years of plenty to prepare for the seven years of famine, that's a symbolic lesson for the lost, to use the times of the years of the gospel plenty to do what it says in Isaiah 55, 6. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him when he's near. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And in Hebrews 4, 7. Hebrews 4, 7. Again, he limiteth a certain day. Saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And now is the day of Second Chronicles 16.9. Second Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. So spiritually speaking, right now, we're in this time of the seven years of plenty. And just as Joseph warned Pharaoh, he said that time of seven years of plenty, it's coming to an end. And that's true of the seven years of, of the gospel plenty symbolically speaking. It's all going to end. As he said in Luke 19.41, Luke 19.41, when he was come near, he beheld the city, that's Jerusalem, he beheld the city, and he wept over it, saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they're hid from thee, they're hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee about, keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even to the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. And it happened. 
in 70 AD when the Titus and his Roman soldiers destroyed Jerusalem completely. And just like the years of plenty were limited to seven years, and then they were taken away, so it is with the gospel. The time to respond is limited, and then the opportunity is closed, which is symbolized by the start of the seven years of famine. And we see this limit to the gospel in Isaiah 29.10, Isaiah 29.10, for the Lord hath poured upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers and seers have he closed the vision is of all is becoming to you as the words of a sealed, a book that's sealed, which men delivered to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to one that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I'm not learned. They could not understand the Bible because they closed their eyes that now it had come to a point where God had closed their eyes so they could not. They would not, they could not. They would not respond, and that became they could not respond. And just as with another Pharaoh who would not soften his heart to let Israel go, so God hardened his heart so that Pharaoh could not soften his heart to let Israel go. So like during the years of plenty or the years of opportunity when when he would not respond, then came the years of famine and the time when he could not respond. And some of the most pathetic heart-wrenching cries of the religious lost are found in Matthew 7.21. Matthew 7.21, where the Lord said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will come to me in that day and say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Very religious. And thy name cast out devils? Very religious. And thy name done many wonderful works, very religious. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And that's a tragedy when the religious lost cry out to the Lord, open the door of heaven. And they hear the Lord said, I never knew you. Depart from me. And they could say, Lord, Lord, didn't we listen to all that gospel music? And didn't we listen to all those gospel sermons? Didn't we go to all those gospel Bible studies? And didn't we go and, and, and out there and feed the homeless? And, and we were in church every time the doors were open and the Lord would say, yes, yes, but I'm not your best friend. And you don't really know me. And you never came to me as a dirty, rotten sinner. You never asked me to rule over every aspect of your life. I don't know you. I don't know you as, a, as my blood-bought child of God. Depart. That's the tragedy of the religious lost. But God doesn't want that to happen. And so he tells them now, repent and be saved and give your life to develop this intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Joseph is gonna tell Pharaoh here. Don't just sit back and enjoy these seven years of plenty, but prepare for the famine that's coming. That's what we'll pick up next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for how good you are, Lord, to warn and to not only warn, but to give advice on what should be done to avoid the tragedy. Lord, we pray that we would also be like Joseph as your mouthpieces to do the same in bringing the gospel to the lost. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages 
can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you love and stand with Israel? Would you like to meet a living Holocaust survivor? Then join radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the Friendship with God Fellowship this Sunday, September 24th at 5 p.m. as we welcome Brian Slater from Abundant Life Ministries Israel and Holocaust survivor Nachem Kirpelovich from Netanya Israel, who's the leader of the largest Russian-speaking Holocaust survivor branch in Israel. Arrive early before 5 p.m. and enjoy amazing food and unforgettable Israeli Jewish music from the De Lamont Strings, as well as an amazing message and the opportunity to hear and meet from a living Holocaust survivor. Stand with Israel and join radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor this Sunday at 5 p.m. at the Friendship with God Fellowship that's located inside the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, near the Santee Drive-In off Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue North. For more information on this Stand with Israel free event at the Friendship with God Fellowship, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051.